This morning, the inspiration of the Bible, part two. Um, <clears throat> there shouldn't be a part three. There may, there, there may be a part two continued, but there's nothing. <laughs> anyway, um, just by way of where we where we left off last time, I just in Second Timothy three sixteen, where the word translated in some says inspired theonostos literally means God breathed. So, and then let's move now to Second Peter, that we uh, briefly reference and look at a little deeper this morning. Second Peter one sixteen through twenty one. For we did not follow, follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and uh, <clears throat> such, an, such an utterance as it was that made, made to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the, we have the uh, prophetic word made more sure to which you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one, one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. There is a lot there. We could spend all morning on this passage. I mean, there is a lot there. So, um, But I'm only going to refer to the first half where it says verse 16, 17, and 18 reference back to Peter's experience on the Mount of Transfiguration which was a magnificent experience, let's face it, man. And they saw, where they said they saw, you look at that, um, said, we're eyewitnesses of his majesty. Uh, verse 17 says, we received from God such an utterance as this was made by, to him, that's to Christ, by the majestic glory, that's a reference to the Father, which, who said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. All right? And so that's a tremendous experience. And I want to say that word experience because um, so many people today rate personal experience over and above the word of God. Peter says no. Peter, who had a tremendous experience that he knew was a true experience, being an apostle, being there, being with Christ for those years. But even with that as a backdrop, he says, verse, uh, <clears throat> we have a more sure word, and that's scripture, prophecy given. Why? Because these folks that wrote it were, were born along, just moved along by the Holy Spirit. And where it says, um, <clears throat> verse 20, but know this first, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Okay? For no prophecy... In other words, we don't have the right to go in and say, well, I think it means this, and I think it means that, and I think it means this. We don't care. Not, nothing personal. I don't care what anybody thinks, including myself. What does it say? That's what's important. And that's what Peter's getting at here. Uh, because he's moving, in chapter 2, he's going to be warning the church about apostates, false teachers moving into the church. So you better, better be ready to combat them, because guess what? There's whole so-called Christian television station with a bunch of people that 
that are claiming experience, experience, experience. That's why I believe this. I saw, I saw, I looked, I, I heard. Well, and then very then they'll start taking Bible verses out of context to kind of fortify their experience. And there's where they're going into this private interpretation thing. See, um, and so we gotta no. It's scripture. It's scripture. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. Okay, none of this scripture was ever thought up by mankind's any anyone any one of the authors or writers. Actually, I like to put them as right. The author is the Holy Spirit. The writers. I prefer using the word writers. Um, the the author is God Himself. So uh, that knew because they were moved on by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. It's the Holy Spirit speaking on behalf of the Trinity. <laughs> I mean, we have verses that where Jesus, I'll send the Holy Spirit, he will speak on my behalf. <coughs> and then here, Peter's writing that the Holy Spirit is speaking on behalf of God about Christ. I mean, well, the Trinity works in perfect unity, so you, know, you, can, you can find, when we get into the doctrine of the Trinity, which we will eventually, we're going to see that all three persons of the Holy Trinity were um, <clears throat> talked about as causing the resurrection of Christ so it works Trinity is a Trinity they work in unison they are one three persons one God and talk about getting off the subject okay now Jesus now the next section somebody have something somewhere well just to get you off the track of course Yeah. I think Well, and a lot of times it comes by that, quite frankly, people read things in Scripture that rub against where what they want to do, right. and they go, "Well, it can't mean this," because yeah. I don't like what it says. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of it. <laughs> Let's look at Matthew. I might take a couple of these things together. The next section, Jesus confirms the scriptures. Um, I figure that's a great place to start. Yay. If Jesus believes it, <laughs> why shouldn't we? <laughs> I mean, come on, right? Is he our king or not, right? So uh, I'm going to start with the temptation. Matthew 4, 111. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in... Uh, in, in verse, just pick verse four. It says, uh, "Jesus answers every every temptation uh, with quotes from Scripture." Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, "It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God.'" Right out of Deuteronomy eight three. So two things are gone there. He's quoting Scripture back and also confirming for us Deuteronomy. And then um, verse 7, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Another one, Deuteronomy. And then verse 10, <laughs> I love this, be gone, Satan, which is not a quote. That was a command from Jesus to Satan, which, by the way, he rules Satan as well. And he was uh, setting the record straight there. For it is written, here's the quote, you shall not worship the Lord your God and serve him only. There is that's based upon Deuteronomy 6, 13, and 14. Did you read that again? Yeah. Yeah. You put in a word, I'm sure you didn't mean it, but get rid of not. And so, you, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
said not. Oh, okay, good. You're listening. Any <laughs> <laughs> good? Well, what? <laughs> well, and two, what that does that? Well, well, that's good. It sets the record straight for the folks at home. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The Inspiration of the Bible, Part 2? Sounds like the message. Yeah, we're in Matthew 4. We're moving now to Matthew 10. So Jesus confirms major events and people in the Old Testament. I'm going to combine that with the next one down where Jesus confirms the prophets. We may not pick all of these verses anyway, but that way we don't have to bounce back and forth. We'll just kind of slide through Matthew. The main reason I stayed with Matthew is, is to keep it simple. The same things are said in all four Gospels. Jesus confirms the Scriptures all through this. Every time he speaks, he's confirming the Scripture, especially when he gets into those, uh, like when he's tempted or uh, debating with the uh, false religious leaders. This is a good one for our day too. Matthew 10, 15, where Jesus confirms the account of Sodom and Gomorrah. I say account as opposed to story because sometimes the word story gives people the idea of a fairy tale. This is not a make-believe story. It's an account of a historic event. And 10, 15, Jesus is speaking. He says, truly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And he's referring to those cities that uh, deny. Uh, when you go, he's, telling, he's sending the disciples forward. And if they reject you, move on to another city. And it'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for that city that rejects you because you're preaching my gospel. So, again, Sodom and Gomorrah. Real deal. Um, now we have in, in Matthew 12, uh, the Queen of Sheba. Again, not a fake story. 1242, I think she's called, what, the Queen of the South? But that is the Queen of Sheba. <clears throat> yeah, and then that, that 1242... And the queen of the south shall rise up with this generation at the judgment and shall, <clears throat> and shall condemn it because uh, it's it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here, referring to himself. So the fact that the, you know, he's making the analogy to the queen of Sheba that recognized that Solomon was, hey, he had something here. He had something from God. She wanted to hear it. Also, this, this uh, verifies Solomon as being a real human being. There's people out there that, that deny David. They deny all these people. That, of course, the deniers will deny anything. You can read the story of the Queen of Sheba in 1 Kings 10. We're not going to go there. Another one, uh, 15.4, the, uh, the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Yeah, although there are some now that will yeah. will say Jesus lied, but sure. hey, you know, as as things degenerate, the more vile things you're going to hear people say. That yeah. just goes with the territory of 
degradation of society. Um, but here, the Ten Commandments, 15.4. For God said, honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother, let him be put to death. That's quoting the commandment, one of the ten. Um, and uh, we move forward. Now, one of the prophets now, 12.30. Oh, I missed this. This is a big one. Let's go back to Matthew 12. If there ever was an Old Testament prophet that is spoken of today as a fairy tale, it's Jonah. You know, Jonah, and they mischaracterize it, Jonah and the whale, eh, it's Jonah and the great fish. I think it was a, maybe it was a largemouth bass, you think? <laughs> a big largemouth bass. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It, it, exa- I agree. It could have been a specially created fish, you know, like being, get them. <laughs> um, I have no problem with that. Anyone that can speak in the universe, a fish, come on. <laughs> what's, the, what's, the, what's the issue there? Uh, Matthew twelve thirty nine to 41. <clears throat> the Pharisees asking for a sign, but he answered that Jesus and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign shall be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. He just didn't say Jonah, but Jonah the prophet. Or he says, or do do you remember that story about Jonah, that parable? No, 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 no. This is a real person. There was a real prophet. Verse 40, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, which, that's a great fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Bingo. An old Catholic expression. No, but seriously, that's, <laughs> that's a real account of a real prophet that spent three real days and nights in the belly of that Great fish, that sea monster. That was a real story. This was not make-believe. Okay? I mean, the, the words here are very specific. And it says, for jo- as Jonah was there. He, he was, in fact, he spent that time. And when he walked through town, they knew he was coming. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm sure he had a shower. Yeah, even salt water wouldn't get that thing. Well, I tell you, that... I bet you that old boy was ripe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they didn't have that poof back then. You know that poof that they advertise now? <laughs> Does it? <laughs> and we're not going to read it, but, uh, you know, you just go up through, through and, and Matthew 15, 8, 9, Isaiah, Matthew 19, 8, Moses. I mean, in Matthew 21, he's quotes both Isaiah and Jeremiah. We know in Matthew 24, we saw this in our study, he quotes Daniel, Matthew 26, Zechariah. Let's look at Matthew 22. And we'll move on from this one. Matthew 22, he essentially just supports the entirety of Scripture. Matthew 22, 29 to 40. You probably remember this. Uh, it was not that long ago. Will preached about this in Mark's rendering, um, but this is such a great one. I love this. Where they, uh, 
where they they come up to squawking and they they made this this bizarre um, uh, analogy of seven brothers and the wife and they all die. I mean, you talk about this is just an absurd thing to even say. You come up with an, a a dumb possibility like this. You look to the actual the possibility of something like that even happening is so remote. But these guys were so wanted to catch him in saying something wrong that they made up this really bizarre account. Well, what if seven... Yeah, well, yeah. You know, what if snakes had legs? They wouldn't crawl on their belly, right? But what if, what if, what if? I mean, this is stupidity, but that's where they were. I mean, they were... Remember, we're getting right to the end of Jesus' ministry, and they're just running out of stuff to come up with, evidently. So they came up with this stupid thing about seven... But he says, and about resurrection... You know, it's, but you're mistaken, not understanding the scriptures or the power of God. I love that. Not understanding the scriptures or the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac? And the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And it's, it's amazing. It's a tremendous thing. Right there is a, that's a, he was validating the entire Bible. And also Exodus 3, so the burning bush, I mean, the whole thing. You know, you can go back, all these things that people say, ah, that couldn't have happened. Well, Jesus said it did. Okay, Jesus said it did. And then, uh, you just keep moving down through Scripture. But let's move from here to, uh, it keeps going down. And through this passage, you've got Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Psalm 110, all quoted all the way through to the beginning of 23. It's just all these passages that Jesus is quoting. And then one of my favorite uh, post-resurrection things, we'll pop over to Luke for a little bit here. Uh, matter of fact, yeah, I'm, I'm done with Matthew right now. So Luke 24, 25 to 32 um, remember the, the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus walking home, thinking it's all done? <clears throat> I'll pick it up, verse 25. Jesus meets them on the road. And he said to them, O oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all, in all that the prophets have spoken. In all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? That entails a lot of information. <laughs> and you go back through those prophets, and you will find some prophets talk about his death very specifically. Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, Daniel 9. Okay, that was in there too, you know, cut off. Um, and then verse 27, and beginning with Moses and with all the prophets. Now that term, Moses and the prophets, if you just said Moses and the prophets, that is a common reference to the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. Moses and the prophets. Okay, or sometimes it's called the law and the prophets. All right? But Moses and all the prophets, uh, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Wouldn't you have loved to have been in on that conversation? And they I love their reaction too. I mean, I, I, and they approached the village, and they were going in, and he acted, and he acted as though he would go, 
<clears throat> then he would go further, and they, they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward the evening, and the day is now nearly over. And he went in to stay with them. See, they still don't rec- recognize him as for who he is, Jesus. They don't recognize him as Jesus. Remember, he did that a lot when his post-resurrection. He kind of, kind of caused people not to recognize him right off until he was ready for them to recognize him. Same thing with these two fellows. And it came about that when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Right here, verse one. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Wow. You know, you write this, oh man, it's too bad he left. Things are just getting good. But look at verse 32. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road? Okay. While he was explaining the scriptures to us, that's what got them going. Wow. It wasn't even being in his presence. It's the fact that what he told us just really reached in and got us, you know. And I'll tell you, that's the way Scripture should affect all of us, when, especially when you learn something new, you know. But still, those old truths, again, just driven home, driven home about what he's actually done for us. I mean, that should kind of give you that real warm, they say burn, that warm, at least a warm feeling inside it. Wow. I mean, he did that for me? Yeah. And then verse 44, again, I know that's a, I'm going off on a different mode, but, you know, just the fact that, this, this, that he's verifying the scriptures. Verse 44 again, and then when he appeared to them in the upper room, he spoke to the big group up there. These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets, and even kicks in there, and the Psalms, must be fulfilled. And in verse 45, and then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. If you're wondering why they seem so dense, that's the way God wanted it for, what, for whatever reason. He just wanted them not to get it yet. There was a time when they were, it was supposed to come together. This was that time. And then, uh, oh, ten days after he sent it into heaven, it was really going to come home when they got the Holy Spirit. Wow. Then they had the power to go, do something about it and even go beyond so anyway um in john chapter 16 um, jesus confirms the apostles um that the that i'm I'm just going to not go any further than that one he says when i send the holy spirit he will confirm all these to you you can read that i want to move back move further okay jesus confirmed the apostles and now we see the apostles having their Minds opened up, the spirit down. Here they are. The apostles. We'll start in the book of Acts. The the apostles themselves confirm scripture. In John two sixteen, that very John two sixteen. We're talking about John. I still say it's a good one to read. Acts, another good book to read. Now Acts chapter two. Okay, that first Pete, that first sermon ever preached in the name of the church. Preached by Peter, and this is a tremendous message. You ever read this thing really close and paid attention to what's going on? This is a tremendous sermon. This is a barn burner, what we used to call it in the days of barn burnings. Um, but right there, 216 through 21, he's quoting the prophet Joel. He's quoting Joel. And then in Acts um, 229 to 30, let's turn there. 
where it says, Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David, because he's just quoted a bunch of Psalms, from Psalm 16 actually, regarding the patriarch David, that, we both, that, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is, uh, <clears throat> is with us today. And so because he was a prophet, huh? speaking of David, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants upon his throne, referring to the Davidic covenant. Okay, Even David understood that, that God was going to put a descendant of David on the throne, not David himself. Okay, and um, and you keep going through here. I mean, in in verse thirty four, thirty five, his Psalm one ten is being quoted again. One of the, the one of the, the most quoted Psalm, I believe. And then four twenty five, uh, you've got a quote of. Um, it says, "Who by the speaking of David again? Who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth? Look at who by the Holy Spirit, the Lord, by the Holy Spirit through the mouth." Of our father David, your servant, did say, why do the Gentiles rage? Psalm 2. Quoting Psalm 2. And um, again, see, why do the Gentiles rage? Because that's a, that Psalm 2 is a messianic psalm. That's one of the psalms Jesus was referring to. And he says, you know, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the psalms. There's, there's a, uh, what they call messianic psalms, just a ton of them. And there's a lot of verses here and there. And it, it's great reading. And then... We don't turn there, but in chapter 3, he confirms Moses. Now, the New Testament, about the New Testament writers, we're on the back page now. Second Peter again. But Second Peter, this is kind of why we send the uh, outline with the uh, recording out there, because they can people can download these outlines when they're out there, so it, that's why I don't feel too bad. Um, <clears throat> But there's just so much here, and I don't want to string this out for weeks and weeks and weeks on end, just repeating, repeating, which is, repeating is not bad, but you know what I mean. Just get it out there. We, we've done twice. Um, I found this one fascinating, Second Peter 3, 1 and 2, where Peter equates the apostles with the Old Testament prophets. He says, this... This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I am stirring you up Stirring, stirring up your sincere mind by way of remembrance, to, by way of reminder, that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles, of which Peter is one of those. Okay? They, they put that equal, they're equal weight. What the apostles have been preaching on behalf of Christ holds the same weight as the Old Testament prophets. Why? Because... Both of them were born along by the Holy Spirit. These are not things that they made up. I mean, in the same Second Peter, he wrote about that, and uh, so he he knows he knows that this that's correct. And then later on in this very chapter three, we saw this last time, but it's worth repeating that Peter confirms Paul. Second <clears throat> uh, Peter three fifteen and sixteen. And regard the patience of our Lord to be, to be salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, the wisdom given him, wrote to you as also in, in all his letters, speaking in them of the things in which are some things hard to understand, 
which the untaught and unstable distort, right? Reading stuff in, reading stuff out. Well, I don't understand it. I think it means this, you know. They distort it. And they do also, the, as they do also the rest of Scripture to their own destruction. Wow. And again, um, if we move to 1 Corinthians 14, 37, I want to read this passage because here's a place that uh, we had the question last week. And it's worth answering again because it's an important point to be made, an important question to ask. Did these men know they were writing Scripture? I maintain they did. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.37, Paul writing to the, again, <laughs> and you, you have to put this, this, put this statement in context after writing chapters 12, 13, and 14, addressing spiritual gifts, which the Corinthian church were just making a mess of, ah, kind of like they did everything else, but, you know, you kind of, I don't know if a little frustration was setting in or not, but he says, if anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, because that was a big thing for them, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandments. If that isn't a statement that he knows who he's writing for, I've never read one. That's it. That's it. I mean, if anyone thinks he's a prophet, because that's saying they had, oh, this guy's prophesying, this guy's got a tongue, and that, 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 coming off all that. He's saying, hey, if anybody thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, you know, recognize this. <clears throat> the things that which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. I mean, that's it. That's pretty cut and dry. You either have to say, Paul, you're a fool, or, yep, Paul's writing and speaking on behalf of the Lord. So, at least his writing, his writing. I was going to say the, the, the response to that is yeah. is pretty is pretty. Uh, oh yeah! If anyone doesn't recognize it, he is not recognized. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the ignored by God is what this one Yeah, I mean the King James missed it. I think in the translation, it's, I remember the King, the old King James says, "If anybody is ignorant, then stay ignorant." <laughs> you know? I mean, well, you know. That's what they choose. To do. That's what they choose to do. Yes. Yes, and in the course of our study through systematic theology, we will be back. Matter of fact, uh, because it is such a thing, I'm thinking when we get, I could even split at any time and do a whole thing on the spiritual gifts and just uh, do a thing of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And then you pull in things like Romans 12 and the book of Acts. You, it has to all be taken in context. So, you know, so things to come. <laughs> now, fulfilled prophecy. We've, we've seen, a, uh, I'm going to let these pass, but if you compare uh, those passages in Isaiah, and you look at the dates of the, Isaiah lived, the dates Jeremiah lived, and then the dates that Jeremiah spoke, you can see that bang, these two prophecies Jeremiah is, Ezra was referring to uh, were true. And um, Jesus himself quoting Luke 4, 14 to 21, you compare that with Isaiah 61, 1 to 2a, talks about his first coming, and you see where he broke in the middle of that statement 
is because the second half of that verse refers to the second coming. So you, there's Jesus explaining prophecy. Himself. And then I put on the, a, a sub point of that, not to mention the multitude of other fulfilled prophecies concerning the first coming of Christ. All the prophecy concerning his birth, his death, his everything Jesus just spoke about. Remember to the guys that rode to the mass, like, hey, the scriptures have been telling you, he must come, suffer, die, and rise again. So it's all over that, all over the place. Uh, a lot of it, too, you know, I, I quoted Psalm 22 and, Psalm, and Isaiah 53, uh, but it's about the crucifixion. In those Psalms, as you move in there, you also see the resurrection in, in both of those passages, in Psalm 22 and also Isaiah 53. They're there as well. They're not spoken of directly, but it talks about death, and then it talks about him speaking again to people. What had to happen, right? So, there you go. And then the inerrancy of Scripture. Next point, inerrancy. Definition. The Bible is without error in, its, in, <clears throat> in the original manuscripts. It is therefore free from affirming anything that is untrue or contrary to fact. I don't care what the subject matter is. The Bible, if it, if it says something that there's a scientific truth to it, that statement will be correct. It will not be wrong. It will not be wrong. God made them male and female. That's right. Modern's twist on science, if you want to call that, is wrong. That's just totally wrong. Um, <clears throat> and most, and I'll tell you, most of the unsaved out there understand that it's wrong. I mean, that's, they even understand it's wrong. So I'm, I'm still praying for a tipping point in this country where maybe something will turn around a little bit. But, uh, I mean, you can, look, you can look all throughout Scripture uh, that inerrancy it's without error. Scripture claims to be without error. Um, <clears throat> one of the reasons, I, I mentioned it last time, but we're, our Bible readings through the summer are from Psalm 119. Again, just showing the importance of Scripture, getting it out there. Um, the inerrancy, again, this one, Numbers 23, 9, 19. Inerrancy let's face it, is, is, is based upon the character of God himself. The character of God himself. He's the one that gives it. So Psalm 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Repent here means change, turn around, change, oh, I made a mistake. Got to change that. No, that's what the, that's, in the, that's what it means here in the context of this passage. Because what's, what does repent? It means to make do a, do a one eighty. You're going one direction, turn around, go the other direction. That's repent. Just whoop, repent of your sins. I'm going to leave the sinful life, move to a sanctified life. Right? <clears throat> has he said and will he? <clears throat> has he said and will he not do it? Answer is hypothetical question, but the obvious answer. Yeah, if he says it, he's going to do it. Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Again, the answer to that hypothetical is, yeah. Yeah, if he says it, he's going to do it. And if he wrote it, it's going to be correct. His, the whole thing, the inerrancy is based upon his character. Um, you can see that in Hebrews 6.18, Titus 1, 2, and 3. And then if it's without error, if it's inspired, next point, it's got to be authoritative. Because it's his word. I mean, and I just put in there, 
thus says the Lord. You know, and I, I put Isaiah 45, 18 to 25, we don't have time to turn to. But um, in there... Should I read it? If I'm going to make you feel bad. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's yeah. It. Sorry. That's okay. What's your on? I'll read the first couple of verses. For the, now you turned away from it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's good. For the, for thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is not, <clears throat> he is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. And he just keeps going. That's authoritative talk right there. You read that whole thing. He starts off, thus saith the Lord, and then boom, authority just speaks in very authoritative language. And uh, that is scripture. And then last but certainly not least, and this is one that, Really, in our day, in, in, even in the church at large, the sufficiency of Scripture. Scripture is enough. You don't need other things. You know, um, you know if, you're, if you're having issues, you don't need psychology, in my opinion. What you need is some strong, biblically-based counseling. Um, statements that 2 Peter 1, verses, verses uh, 2 and 3 Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Lord Jesus Christ, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. And then where we started this morning and where we left off last night, this is a great place to leave off again today. This will go very quickly. But 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, all scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The word adequate there does not mean, eh, just making the grade. Adequate means complete, that you're complete, you're ready for service, you're not waning or wanting you got it and you're going to get it from scripture you're not going to get it from a even a little christian happy how-to book okay (laughs) so there's some good books out there but you know god wants you to be happy 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 isn't necessarily the case either let's close in a word (laughs) heavenly father we thank you lord for your word we thank you lord for the truth of your word we thank you lord for the sufficiency of your word and may we true be wise enough to recognize that it is sufficient and may we be wise to more get into your word that we would be more adequate in our daily walk and in service to you we ask it in jesus name amen